everybody, and welcome to the very last of our reviews from Tribeca Film Festival 2018. This is our review of The Elephant and the Butterfly. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you this week. This is the last film that isn't coming to a theater near you yet. I love how, by the way, we've maintained saying, quote, this week. Even though a new episode has come every day, I think for two consecutive weeks now almost. But technically, today's episode has not come yet. All right. Um, but if we finish recording before midnight, I can still uphold the episode for a day thing. Anyway, all I want to say is it's cute that we still refer to it as this week's episode when we record one roughly every five hours. True. But it's easier to say things that you say all the time than it is, it is to make things up on Yeah, the it's like when you say have a good night to someone at 10 in the morning at a grocery store. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. Or when you try to talk to somebody at all standing in line for anything. Anyway, I think what I've learned from this is that podcasting is fun. Podcasting this often is difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um, it it kind of wears you down. Like, I've noticed even from listening to the episodes, because maybe two-thirds of them have been released by now, yeah. um, that, like, there's kind of a gradient over time where you can just hear us getting more beaten down. <laughs> like, I, I look back to, like, the Tolly episode or something, and we're so alive yeah, and like, upbeat, and we're, we we're just riffing, <laughs> we're gavin, we don't hate each other yet. <laughs> yeah. we, we've, we've been in New York for three nights, mm -hmm. and all we've been doing is eating food and drinking and having a good time. We watched one fucking movie and now we're excited to talk about it. Yeah, and then it slowly goes down and the long pauses grow longer and you hear like, and then, fuck, what's her name? Um, I don't know, the girl. The, the, what's, what's her name? There, there, there was one of the nights where I was just so exhausted that I felt like I was going to throw up. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> I've had one beer tonight. It's not like I drank too much. I just feel really bad and I can't do anything. I remember that night too. You're like, so should we record that? I was like, I'm going to be honest. We can record tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, all that to say, it's been a journey. I've enjoyed it. I, I had fun. It, it's a good exercise to test the limits of how much you can watch film and talk about film before you just have nothing to say. Yeah. Um, my experience has like some separate difficulties because i've been trying to commit to doing a write-up for each of these movies also uh that write-up should have gotten shorter and instead it's getting longer and longer each time so it's now like an overwhelming thing where it, i have to think of something to say and it's really fucking hard so yeah props to people who actually do this like for a job because it is hard to have something creative to say like on a 24-hour repeated basis that yeah, yeah that's mentally taxing but it's been a lot of fun Cool. Well, uh... <laughs> let's go into a movie that I feel like I'm going to have maybe the least to say of any of the things we've reviewed. Probably, probably. Um, but, I mean, there there might be some interesting conversation to come out of this. Yeah. If if not for the experience of having this been the last film that we saw in the entire festival. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. And... Uh, the amount of energy left in our bodies to physically sit and watch the film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. Um, so yeah, once again, probably no trailer for this film, so we're just going to dive in. This is a little film called The Elephant and the Butterfly. Um, essentially, it is the story of... Uh, there's, so there's a woman who has a daughter, and uh, that daughter has a father 
who is not currently in the picture. Um, for whatever reason, I'm going to be honest, I don't remember. Yeah. Chris <laughs> may have been asleep. <laughs> she has to drop that daughter off with this man who is going to have to watch her for an extended period of time. And it's sort of the experience of him trying to watch after this child who he hasn't really known too much and um, sort of the interactions they have with each other. And um, yeah, I mean, that's the basic idea of the film that we're watching. Um, Stephen Miller, as the person who was the most alert during this film, what did you think of it? I thought this was a absolutely lovely little 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 movie um this this movie is extremely slice of life and that's it It, it's very similar to how i think other people perceived the florida project uh but without the social statement that the florida project is trying to make this is a movie that lives or dies on the weight of a little girl's performance as a charming little girl and this girl is wonderful i i think she's great to watch i think she's a captivating presence she's really cute i think watching her slowly get to know this man who the synopsis already spoils that it is the estranged father though the little girl doesn't know it at the time Uh, so i think i think one isn't clever for picking up on that through the movie i think you're meant to go in already being aware of that relationship um and just watching an adult and a child slowly grow closer together and you're watching the adult the father kind of thaw he had initial feelings one imagines of not being ready for fatherhood not wanting anything to do with this and you're just slowly watching him be charmed by the presence of this little girl and finding that impulse to take care of her and shelter her um the director in the q a after said that this was a movie where she wanted to explore the the masculine side of parenthood because for for a woman you're kind of you the need to take care of the child is obvious immediately there's no escaping it it's a biological imperative and it's just like a physical they're right there like you have to take care of it whereas a father could choose to flee and for a for fatherhood it's kind of a thing that you learn after the child is born you get this connection and you something clicks where you realize i want to be with this kid right i want to protect them and i think it's it's a really nice very short look at how that relationship could build between two people and that's it don't ask me what happens don't ask me where one scene goes from another it is like the most i i mentioned the dardenne brothers uh in the q a because they're also belgian filmmakers and they make very kind of slice of life meandering films that feel a little repetitive but are trying to nail at some heart this is a more light upbeat version of that i think this is easier to love than their movies would be for like your average film goer um but yeah it's so inconsequential i don't i don't know how to rate it even or argue about it right it's just it's a beautiful little thing, and it could have been 20 minutes or three hours. I don't even know how long it was, but it it's just one thing that you're soaking in for a while. Yeah. Um, so this is, as you said, this is the last film we saw on our tour of Tribeca Film Festival. Um, it was a weird time in the day. I was extremely tired. 
we had to sit through that same 15 minutes of fucking bullshit before the movie started. The story of Tribeca. <laughs> New York is a city about stories. <laughs> and the story of Tribeca is as old as its cobblestone streets. And uh, as young as its carriages. Uh, but anyways, so this was I, was... I was not in the correct mindset to see this film, a film which is not in English, which I have to expend mental energy to read and participate in. Um, so at the very beginning of this film, for probably the first 15 minutes or so, I was just not present. I don't think I fully fell asleep, but I was just very, like, my brain was, like, just... It, it was it was like a emergency sequence in Inside Out where, like, all of the characters were, like, diverting power from oxygen and all these things just to try to keep the system from shutting down. Mm-hmm. I came to right when he gets the girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't really know. I had no premise for it, but I, I kind of learned through the course of the film and through the Q&A that, like, we're not supposed to actually... like. Yeah, you I, didn't actually miss any yeah, sort like, of exposition. I, I, yeah, I thought I missed important details. So I was watching the film going, like, fuck, dude, I'm, like, I'm going to have to wait six months and then go see this movie again so I can give it, like, a really fair shake. Um, but what I got was a really compelling story. Um, I really loved just the the idea of of watching this father learn to be a father in a situation where I don't know how much of that was under his control or not, whether it was a mutual decision that the parents made together, um, whether he just wasn't allowed to see the child. Like, even in the Q&A, somebody asked if the child was born from their first meeting, and the director was like, I have no comment on that, right? Like it was, it was a thing where she was not concerned with that being a part of the story or a thing that governs your understanding of the story. It was simply about this guy who has built a life around not having a child, now having to take responsibility for a child that he did have, regardless of what his involvement in that was, and him learning to adapt the the daily stuff he was going through to a to that child. The child is amazingly charismatic. I want to say brilliant acting, but like it it feels very much like it this this is like a live action version of um uh what's the the Hertzfeld cartoon thing. Oh, World of Tomorrow. Yeah, World of Tomorrow. Like it yeah. feels a little bit like that where like the it's 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 so it's the filmmaker's daughter. Yeah. It's her daughter. She's sort of just playing and participating. Like, she can't read the script herself, right? So, like, the filmmaker just kind of, this is what we're doing here. Now go do that and play. They talked about having, like, a like a two-camera setup where, like, the, the director and then, like, the other camera person are just sort of, like, following the child around, letting the child move freely. And so it's, like, this really super naturalistic, very, very interesting, compelling, just this charming as hell child that like just mm-hmm. makes you want to have a kid yourself like just very just beautiful interactions and like the the father who reminds me a little bit of um um uh, gael whatever Gar- garcia bernal yeah yeah like he very much strikes me as like him right like you could have totally cast him in this role and it'd be exactly the same movie um so uh you're, you're just like watching him interact and it's just it's it's heartwarming it's it's interesting just watching him move from frustration to like genuine love of somebody he like he knew they existed i think but mm-hmm. like didn't re- like he, they, he clearly was never 
present even from a distance in this child's yeah, life. Yeah, like yeah. whatever like, happened happened before the birth. Like he may have known that they would eventually exist, but never knew them as a thing that mattered to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of seeing him take on that mantle was really compelling. And I think that like this is a film where once again it it this is this is the first time that it truly broke the audience award rating system for me mm-hmm. because if you're just like, okay, this is a rating system. I have one to five stars. I'm just giving out stars. That's one thing. But this was like, there's a cash prize associated with it. And I was like, just at, by the end of the Q and a, I was like, I want you to have the money. Mm-hmm. I want you to win the audience award. I want you to make more films. Like what you, like you nailed what you were trying to do with the story and you did it in a beautiful way. And even though I wasn't present for the whole film, like the pre- the presence that I had during the film, like I woke up to the film, like the father wakes up to the child. Like right. there was just it, it was it was a really moving experience, even having been sort of out of it during the beginning of the film. And I think that like she is so earnest in what she's trying to do and the story she's trying to tell, and she was so honest about like. I didn't even think about these sort of things in the backstory for my character, but I thought about these sort of things in the backstory for the character and how she wrote scenes that was them interacting before the child existed and she just cut them out of the film because she didn't think they helped the story she wanted to tell. Right. And it was just, this is a incredibly beautiful film mm. that exists in its own chunk of this film space and it's the most unique thing that we've kind of seen the festival so far i feel and like just something that feels like it feels like it comes from a personal place but it's not like too personal it's not like this is my story it's just a thing that i feel emotionally about a situation and like i don't know something about what she did with this film was just really impressive to me Mm -hmm. um and everything from the performances to just the execution of the story she was trying to tell was just so great that i just like i wanted to celebrate it and I want her to win the audience. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think you're more effusive than I am about it, but I do think it's an absolutely beautiful little movie. It, it It's a funny thing that, again, like proves that star systems or ranking systems are hard to do yeah. because in, in one sense, I don't think this was the strongest movie of the festival. I think if I'm stack ranking what we saw, it's probably going to come in like fourth maybe. But I also think it is the closest to perfect in what it's trying to do yeah. of anything we saw in the festival. It, The scope it is setting is slice of life as naturalistic as possible, as close to feeling like a fly on the wall in a real relationship between uh, a daughter and a father yeah. and just let the camera go. And I don't know because I've never tried to make a thing like that. I don't know to what degree those emotions are crafted by extremely clever editing. I think I've seen enough things that fail to hit that emotion that it does really take a a skill to make a thing feel this seamless and natural as you go yeah. through it. But it makes it look so easy. It's hard it's hard to judge it almost because it's just like you nailed that emotion. I don't know how you did it. I don't know to what degree yeah. it's fair or unfair, but you definitely nailed it. But, but that's the thing too is like they talked about how like she made the film chronologically. Mm-hmm. So it's like she also kept apart her daughter and the male lead until the scenes where they were together. Right. And it's like 
because it was sort of freeform and the daughter is too young to really have complete control over her like attention span and stuff like that there is genuine emotion that's probably going on this guy when he's just trying to get her to hit her mark right yeah. it's like you stay here don't go off and do something else but like the he is acting but he's also actually trying to wrangle this child right like so there's, there's just something about what you get from it that this is either the greatest child star that's ever existed or this is the most controlled experiment, experiment yeah. and experience that's ever happened on film, right? Yeah, it just, and it could be a little bit of both. I yeah. think mm -hmm. certainly the fact that she is the daughter of the director must mean that the director just knows uh, the director's name, by the way, is Amelie von Elmt, uh, so a Belgian director. Uh, she She clearly knows how to guide her daughter, or at least she knows her daughter well enough to know what is authentic and what isn't, so yeah. she can recognize that when she's captured it um but yeah something about the magic of having having the parent be directing the child it it worked really well i mean this is one of the most believable performances of a child i think i've ever seen in a movie yeah um there are little bits too like a part of their evolution again in hindsight you can talk about the evolution of their relationship and the father warming to the daughter and i think in, in a very gradual progression that is there, I think f from scene to scene, it's really little moments that give you the breadcrumbs. One, for instance, is just at the beginning, uh, the daughter barely remembers his name. Like, you kind of get the sense that she doesn't know who he is. I think he even asked a few times, like, who am I? And she just does the little girl thing where she, like, shakes her head and smiles and then runs off somewhere else. Yeah. And about like two thirds of the way through the movie, she starts just using his name. Like when she's calling out for him, when she wants to play with him, when she wants something. And I imagine even in the real world, that could have very well been true is the first time she acted with this person, she doesn't remember him. She doesn't know who he is. And by the end, she like feels a familiarity and you can't undo that. So yeah, yeah the chronological filming of it, I think is super critical for this movie to work. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I... There's something interesting, too, about, like, the life that guy, that character of the guy had built for himself. Like, he has, like, this rad apartment. Like, he's really into culinary arts or something. And, like, mm -hmm. he just has this, like, all of the herbs and stuff that he would cook with are just growing naturally in his, like, rad little <laughs> loft apartment or something. Why would you give up that life? <laughs> but, no, like, I, I, there is, I don't know, there's, there's just, there, it, Things just work so magically, I think, just the way his world gets broken by her existence. But mm -hmm. I don't know, something, it just, a lot of stuff that works well. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It's hard to say, that's like, oh, I like this scene, and I like this scene, and I like this scene, and I like this scene. But yeah, it was, it's just, uh, it's, it's just a very well-told story. And then if you have extra, like, that was one of the things, too, is the... We had a little conversation afterwards about how, like, the Q&A was not necessary, necessarily uh, Good. <laughs> moderated very well, right? Yeah. Um, but I really love some of the details that came out of, like, it was one of those things where, like, when the film ended, n nobody wanted to raise their hand and ask questions. But then, like, as people started to ask questions, it's, like, snowball of people. Sometimes it's the same person three times in a row. But, like, people were just genuinely curious about backstory and things with the story and like getting knowledge about the fact that like 
she, like the 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 story that he's reading her at night, the elephant and the butterfly, like where mm-hmm. the title, like the backstory for what that story means. Like there's just a lot of stuff that just like, you're just like, mm, I like everything about what you're doing. Yeah. No, I, I definitely think this movie is a great example for why these post-screening Q and A's are really helpful for festival movies because the, the director, she absolutely shines and like the yeah. authenticity that she's bringing to the movie came out great. I think she she took bad questions and turned them into good answers. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the way I felt. Yeah, um, for sure. It it was a funny thought, though, for me, because so Joanna joined us for just the last two films of the festival. Yeah. So Duck Butter and then Elephant and Butterfly. And it's funny because for me, those two movies were extremely refreshing because they were light and experimental and doing something different from the other films in the festival. Yeah. And it, it'd be interesting to know what uh, her take on the festival as a whole would be if these are the only kind of movies you're watching. Like, I wonder if they get a bump from being the, like, digestif or whatever, like the the post-dinner drink that you have after all the heavy stuff. Yeah. And that lightness feels even better because you've had so much weight that you just can't take anymore. Yeah, yeah. Cool. (laughs) Well... We've come to the end. <laughs> Should we get to our verdicts for our last film? Yeah. All right, Stephen Miller, if you're going to give this a must-see, recommend with the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Going out on a high note, I walked into this episode planning on a recommend with a caveat. <laughs> Fuck it. Must-see. Yeah. Must-see. For what this movie is doing, I think it does it very, 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 very well. And you will know from the trailer or from whatever exists when this movie finally comes out if it comes out i hope it does um whether or not it's your jam and if it is you should run to it because this is not pretentious this is not what mumblecore type movies are where they're slice of life but they're also trying so goddamn hard Th- this movie feels effortless and i i think that's really impressive yeah i mean as steven said i don't know if this will be your your jam but if there's anything i learned from happy anniversary it's, I think you should try the jam. <laughs> so, <laughs> Have you considered that we might be the only two people who have seen both Happy Anniversary and Elephant and the Butterfly? There is a high probability that that is I'm going to say like 99% true. chance. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, oh, and well, Joanna. Sorry. And Joanna. So that was the, that was the 1%. <laughs> <laughs> should I edit that? No, it's fine. Edit that out. <laughs> no, that's fine too. Don't edit anything. Um, but Ship yeah. It. <laughs> uh, but yes, I'm gonna give it a must see as well. Um, people should see this film. And uh, yeah, there you have it. <laughs> so now holding your feet to the fire, Tribeca's over. The movies are done. Give me your top three in order. Tribeca. <laughs> give me your. It all triangle. makes sense. Your triangle of films. I need to look at the list of everything that we saw. I'll give you time, but you're not allowed to edit out this part. <laughs> um, shit. Shit, Steven. Uh, Tully is included, by the way. Mm, Steven, this is too hard. This is much mm-hmm. too hard. If, if I had a top five, it would be easier. <laughs> Top three makes it... Fine, I'll give you top five, but ordered. I Like, I want an ordered list. Ordered. 
I haven't prepared this at all, by the way. I also need to look at what we saw. Five. Five. Five, 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 five. Yeah, fuck it. I'll stick with it. I'm going to go... I'm going to go totally state-like sleep, all about Nina, duck butter, elephant and the butterfly. Nice. Uh, I am going to go... What order do I want? State-like sleep, number one with a bullet. Totally, number two. I'm going to make you mad and say the party's just beginning, number three, because that movie stuck with me way longer than the other ones. Uh, Elephant and Butterfly, Elephant and the Butterfly at number four, and All About Nina, number five. Nice. So high, high overlap still. Yeah, yeah. Still, still. When I brought, when I brought to five, it was there. Yeah. Now, one interesting thing, I don't know if you looked at the audience award winners or the jury award winners, but there are a lot of Tribeca movies that we did not see. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I I think can't speak to that. I think if it's for anybody who's been listening to these episodes, I think it's been clear that we, there are narrative through lines that sort of connect a lot of our films. Mm -hmm. Um, I think maybe, even though I've referenced it in the three other like reviews, I think maybe the seagull was the furthest outside of most of the narrative through points. Um, but I think that like a lot of films centered around um, like um, um, emotional, heavy female-led uh, uh, films that right. um, that just seemed like a premise that was like really interesting and like felt like a good emotional journey to go on. And what I find interesting about that too is it's probably not an accident that they're female led. Like that is a thing we knew going in and that probably is some signifier to us of what sort of story the movie is going to tell. But they also wound up being almost entirely female directed, which we didn't know going in. Like, And in a lot of the cases it's written and directed by the same person. Exactly. And we didn't know that going in. Like we weren't, looking at the director list for the most part. And I think it's really interesting that when I look back to it, like my top films of the last few years, very often it's like female directed starring a like girl in her twenties or something. And there's just something about the, the themes of those kind of movies that there's a kind of aesthetic that I think is just really tender and lovely uh, that I've wanted to see more of. And if Tribeca has shown me anything, it's that like, there are, there are a lot of really wonderful female directors, female actors that can lead a film. And I'm excited for more of these to come out because I think movies in the past few years have been lacking, you know, en- enough of those big critical consensus picks. And for my money, plenty, all of these top five movies are good enough to be like in the conversation in the fall. So Yeah, yeah for sure. Cool. Well, uh, that will about do it for... I have no idea if we even actually already closed out the show. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'll start by saying thanks for listening. <laughs> and now, just in case we hadn't already done it, I will say that'll do it for our coverage of everything we saw at Tribeca Film Festival. Stephen Miller, people want to find me throughout the week. Where can they do that? People can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. 
People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSportOne.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash for the warning or like us at facebook.com slash the for the warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at the warning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. The music for this episode will come from Stephen. I, I can't help you. I can't oh, help you with this one. Did you not find one for this one? Let, let me see. Let me see. So music for this episode will just be the very last use of that Tribeca jingle that uh, half of these episodes or so have had playing underneath them, maybe more than half. Um, this is the last time you'll have to hear it, last time we'll have to hear it, at least for a year. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll see, how, we'll see how things go in the future. <laughs> maybe we'll make it back. Maybe we won't be too crazy to... to to put ourselves through that again. Yeah, um, and I, I've got a whole two weeks before can happens and I'm doing this again. <laughs> uh, but you're not there long enough to see 16 films, though, right? Yeah, we'll see what I do. We'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that is this review. The next thing that will hit your feeds will be Avengers Infinity War. So, we're back, guys. We're back. Wouldn't it be funny if after so many like shoestring budget movies in a row Avengers were all just like it looks so real <laughs> my eyes were burning <laughs> like we're not ready for real movies anymore yeah